0: burning spindles moving well gets it to Ackman Ackman kicks long grabs oh it's a goal Never forget you first. That's the name of this segment. I'm happy to say this week, a man who played 127 games for the Doggies, 41 games for Fitzroy, had a terrific uh, AFL career, and then got into coaching, uh, got, into, or got into VFL footy, and then into uh, coaching in the VFL, and had a really good uh, career there as well. And then, in uh, recent times, has got into school coaching. His name is Simon Atkins. Hello, Axe. Hey, Kev. How are you, mate? I'm going well. We're going to go right back, right back to right Tassie, back. because... Uh, uh, as we, you know, the groundswell grows and grows for uh, a Tasmanian team to be uh, to be put into the league, and it should happen. Um, you were one of the ones who had to leave home and, and come over to the mainland.
1: Yeah, that's right, mate. Eighteen-year-old, um, uh, bright-eyed and pushy tailed from Wynyard, went to Melbourne uh, with my twin brother, and um, yeah, it was a it was a magnificent experience, I suppose.
0: Well, it must have been a daunting experience too. I mean, you were playing against men in your teens for when you'd in Tassie, but it must have been a big wrench to kind of leave home. And I guess it was helped by the fact you had your twin brother with you.
1: Yeah, look, look it was mate. I'm, and I, I will say that Paul was keen to go, and I wasn't because I'd done an apprenticeship, second year in my apprenticeship, and everything was good playing, playing footy, and um, you know I had a good job, and everything was good. So then to go to the foot spray um, really opened my eyes up. So, But I'm, I'm glad that Paul actually twisted my arm and said, you know, because you know, he, he went first. He went for a couple of weeks prior to me and said, no, you're going to come over here. This is pretty good.
0: Paul on a scouting mission for you. There's a dangerous, there's a dangerous yeah. precedent <laughs> for the rest of your life. Um, now, there, yeah. there, was a bit, there was a bulldog connection, obviously, that got you there as well. Uh, uh, apart from the fact that the recruiters came down and had a look at you, but your coach yeah. in those days at you was an ex uh, doggies player.
1: Yeah, and look, that that's how it started. Kev. Um, David Thorpe was our was our coach, and you know, we, well, I of say we, um, you know, we, we grew up through the footy club, and you know, it was local boys to coach. But what actually Thorby brought to the to to the winning footy club was just a different look at football and a, and the a professionalism, and and that's how it started. I mean, just to see what he was doing with our football club then. Um, and then he obviously got in contact with the with the dogs, and um, yeah, they came down. And I remember um, Stephen Nash and uh, Shane O'Sullivan. The first time they came down and, and had a look was down at Smithton, which is down the road from from Wynyard. And it was just the coldest, wettest day of all time. And they, <laughs> I remember I heard him saying to uh, Torby, "What would you bring us down here for?" You know. So <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but that's how it started, mate, with, with David Thorpe.
0: Now, you, you came over, um, was it was it tough at the start? I mean, I think you were in one of those shared houses at the start, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah.
1: Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. The, the hell house, it, uh, That's it's, right. it's notorious.
0: Uh, yeah, um,
1: to come over and, you know, being out, which was a really good environment because we were all doing the same thing, you know. I think there was seven of us at one stage in the house and I had a lady that would come in and cook our meals and all that sort of stuff. But it, but it was a good environment because we're all going through the same thing. We're working and, and training and, and coming home, you know, at eight or nine o'clock at night, um, having your tea, and, and then, you know, have to get up in the morning. But, you know, that that's the way it was, and um, I wouldn't have had it any other way, mate.
0: Was it a, I mean, it obviously would have been a culture shock both from a, a football standard point of view and from, a, and from a you know, being away from home, uh, living on your own sort of point of view as well. Yeah.
1: Look, the whole thing about it, like, I mean – When I said I I was doing my apprenticeship, I'd jump in the car and 20 minutes later I'd be down the road and, you know, doing my job and he'd jump back in the car. But it was uh, completely different having to negotiate Gordon Street down to uh, Barclay Street, you know, with that many cars and trucks and everything going around. So it it was, you know, a really big shock. But as I said, the environment that we were living in, because everyone else was doing it, it was good.
0: You walked into a club uh, that uh, you know had a little bit of success in that mid part of the eighties. Uh, when you arrived, you walked into Mick Malthouse. How was how was that at the start?
1: Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just, you think you you know you train hard and obviously it's the, the best level you can play at. But I can just remember going to Skinner Reserve and just you know you thought, well I'm going to die tonight because <laughs> training was so hard and Skinner Reserve wasn't con- you know conducive to. Fallen on the ground because it was hard as a cat's head and all that sort of stuff. But again, I mean, lucky enough to—I'm pretty sure that's why you know at the end of the day I might have played ten years because, along with like Rick Kennedy, uh, Steve McPherson, Murray Rance took you know me and Paul under their wing and they trained hard and that's what you had to do. So you know it was really really hard. And um, but again, I you know that's why I was there for ten years, I think.
0: Uh, Sunday, the fifth of April, nineteen eighty-seven. The SCG was uh, where you made your your debut in front of fifteen thousand people. Uh, the doggies weren't going all that well at that stage, but uh, and Sydney were Sydney were absolutely almost unstoppable at that stage. Yes. What are you What are your memories in the lead up to being told you're going to play in that first game? Well, I've got a couple of really vivid memories of Sydney,
1: um, and the, the one of the top is the Swanettes that were because I played the Ford Pop at my first game and. Mm lucky enough to stand beside the Swanettes. (laughs) Right. And I think uh, Sydney kicked 26 goals that day or whatever it was. So every goal they kicked, this big booming song would come out and the Swanettes would would do their thing, you know. So, you know, I was lucky enough you know. um, The parochial Sydney fans, you know, because they were were flying, Um, I was lucky enough to, my first two kicks were, were two goals. Yep. Um... The first one came off my shin and I turned around and I thought, geez, that was lucky. Lully Bamlett looked at me and said, How did that go through? And I said, I've got no idea, mate. <laughs> um, but we got flogged. Uh, Mick Malthouse let go with one of his most outstanding sprays at half time. Um, and he actually had a go at me and I'm thinking, geez, that's
0: a bit harsh in my first game. <laughs> yeah. And I remember running
1: out after half time. And I hadn't done my boots back up. So <laughs> they're, they're my memories of my first game.
0: Oh, goodness me. Did you get the chance to kind of, um, you know, let everyone know that you were playing? Because sometimes uh, I know later on you were uh, included late in a game, but uh, you, you were upfront about this one. Everyone knew you were going to be making your debut. No,
1: no. Um, I think it was Thursday night and we flew out the next day or whatever. So, no, it's Thursday night. No, you're playing your first game. So that was it. Yeah,
0: no, uh, no sort of uh, videos uh, that they do these days and all that sort of no,
1: stuff. No, no, none of that sort, mate.
0: Did you? Um, uh, did uh, I mean, uh, no presentation of the jumper and big, uh, big sort of uh, howdy-dos with that. Were you sort of half happy that it was a, sort of almost off Broadway up in Sydney rather than at the at the Whitten Oval or would you rather have made your debut at the Whitten Oval? Oh,
1: look, I suppose any any bloke plays their first game, ain't you? Don't care where it is, and you know, I was just. All, all I wanted was to make sure that I had a long sleeve jumper. And I said, I'm going to uh, walk the other team meeting on Thursday. Yep. I said to Eddie, I said, make sure that long sleeve jumper is in the late bag, not the early bag, because you're playing the resilience. So <laughs> that's all I was worried about. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, you made your day, but then you uh, sort of got a couple more games in that uh, in that season.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. My first game, we got beat by whatever it was, 20 goals. Yeah. We played Cartman at the Western Oval. They beat us by 18 goals. And then they dropped me, so I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, they're, they're on the difference, but anyway. Yeah. So, then, yeah, then I played, um, which probably, you know, at the end of the day, to, to play, I think it was round two or round three, you know, as, a, as an 18-year-old kid coming from daddy, it was probably a bit early, but did, did me time and, you know, played in the reserves. I think I won the reserves best and fairest next year. Um, played all the reserves. So, you know, basically played two years of, reserves funny, I thought. Oh well, this is this is not going to work out. and then, you know, lucky enough uh, to get back in the team uh, in eighty nine, yep. and that's where I, I sort of had a consecutive run of about one hundred and five games or something. So
0: um, eighty eight was funny, wasn't? Because they the the club recruited uh, Terry Wallace, and I guess he he pretty much took that centre spot that that you'd yeah. uh, you you'd had your eyes on.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I said before, there I played in the forward pocket. You know, I wasn't a forward pocket but I, I was a midfielder and when Plough came along, I said, oh, well, that's, that's it done and, you know, I was probably training but to but to train, you know, with, with Plough, who obviously had a lot of experience, you know, to, to learn how, how he played, again, that was an experience To I played on him most, you know, Tuesday night, every every week we had match practice and people don't realise that, you know, and, and it was pretty willing so, you know, to be able to play on Plough and practice games, and had no doubt that, that sort of helped me and um, at the end of, yeah, 88, I was thought, you know, this is it. I'm done. And I had a few phone calls from South Australia. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going. And I just thought, oh, no, I'll, I'll give it one more go. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I did that.
0: Simon Atkins is my guest. you never forget your first. We're up to uh, 1989. It uh, was, a, was a funny year. I mean, you played uh, every game that year, I think, or just about every game. Yeah, um, yeah And, yeah. and the, the side wasn't travelling particularly well. And off the field all sorts of stuff was starting to happen that uh, that was sort of starting to filter through to the playing group.
1: Yeah. I mean, and because I, I went through that with Fitzroy as well and, you know, it was the same sort of thing that, you know, the, the experience of thinking your football club's not going to be around, you know, and it's in the off-season and, and you're thinking, no, this can't be right, but you know, we, we were lucky enough and you, you know the story as good as anyone that, you know, some people got behind the, the footy club and you know, it's Footscray and the Western Bulldogs. It's it, it, they've, they've got to thank a, a couple of people that you know dug in and and saved the Footy Club.
0: On the on the footy side of it, uh, the end of '89, obviously, we we know the fight back happened and the and the club survived. And you go into 1990 um, the, on the back of you know having played uh, just about every game in that '89 uh, uh, season, and then yeah, uh, Wheels takes over. Did, did Terry Wheeler bring something to you as a, as a player and as a, and as a coach that uh, that that you needed at that just at that time?
1: Yeah. Look, I think Wheels brought just a different view on how the how footy was played I mean we were a young group um, and look he opened my eyes how to look at and how to play football and I think that was the same with the whole group um, he recruited a couple of experienced blokes that helped us out but right from then you thought oh well you know we're, we're a genuine chance here to, to, to play finals footy and go further and you know I, I often say to people that I think Wills was way before his time yeah. about not only coaching but how, how to prepare players. So, yeah, you know, non, 1990 was the start of, obviously, leading into the 92 season where we, you know, I think we were the best team in the, in the in the comp but didn't actually get
0: there. It's amazing when you look at it. Six wins in 1989, 12 in 1990, nine
1: in 1991
0: and then 1992, as you mentioned, 17 wins. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, and yeah. a hell, hell of a good side at that stage. Yeah, a culmination of as I say, that nineteen ninety, that you know, people sort of viewed the game different. He he had a, a certain style that he wanted to play, and it, you just can't develop that in in a couple of weeks. So I think ninety two was the culmination of, you know, we were a pretty dominant team in ninety two, and unfortunately we we, we fell short.
0: There was a the thing about Wheels that I always I always appreciated as a, <laughs> as a supporter of the club and from the outside was the way he backed blokes. He gave blokes an opportunity yeah. to, to show something that maybe even supporters, as diehard supporters as I, people like me, had, yeah. hadn't seen either, that he'd seen in people. And I think people like Kenan Reynolds is one. You're certainly one yeah. that, that he sort of said, you know, I know you can do this. Go out and do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of Wheels' not favourite shows, but, he said, "I can't do much between two o'clock and five o'clock," and that that's how he coached that we had to do all that stuff between two and five o'clock. You know, on the game, he, he said, "I can turn the run around." He said, what, "What's he going to do?" So, the preparation leading into match day was all about ownership by the players to be able to, to, you know, to perform between two and five. So, you know, that's that's where I'm saying that, you know, the the ownership or the we had we had a lot of leaders for for a word, but everyone knew what they had to do because they knew that the coach couldn't do much influence, you know, between two and five.
0: Yeah. And, and, I mean, 10, 15 years later, you were doing a similar kind of thing with the in your coaching.
1: Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, I, I never ever thought I'd coach, but I, I, I sort of developed a passion for it. And uh, Chris Bond, a good mate of mine, sort of came to Werribee and asked me to sort of coach the twos. And, and then I thought, well, no, I don't want to do it, but... When you sit back and you think about the people that influence, and everyone influences it, but that—that's one of my key things. I even say to people now that you know you—you've got to—you've got to train your blokes to play between two and five. And everyone goes, "Oh, that's what we doing. Well, no, you don't. You've got to have number twenty-two on your list, knowing what to do in a zone and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it led me into coaching, which I really I thoroughly enjoyed the seven or eight years I had at Werribee.
0: Let's talk about the the uh, the sort of end days at uh, at the doggies. Uh, we get to nineteen ninety four, and uh, you played fourteen games that year. So you, you played twenty plus games for uh, five or six years in a row, and you get to the yep. end of nineteen ninety four and uh, and things sort of changed.
1: Yeah, they did change pretty dramatically, pretty quickly, Kat. So I don't know why. Um, you know, I was vice captain of the footy club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, new coach. You know, and then. It's his prerogative of what he does. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was uh, disappointing, but you know, I was lucky enough to get to another two years at Fitzroy. Were
0: you? Were you? Did you think when uh, when it was over at the doggies? Did you think okay, is that is that it? Will I will I know, sort of go away and do something else now, or will I will I have another crack? Was was did that thought ever enter your head that that was the end of it?
1: Well, no, it didn't because I actually went and trained at Collingwood for three months, um, and. Uh, one of those things they said, uh, you know, we don't want to play in the practice game. And I said, Oh, well, I need to play in the practice game. So I was 20, I think 26 at the time. Yeah. Um, I thought, Oh, well, I've got a fair bit of foot in. And I was really looking forward to I played one practice game in Collingwood, the St Kilda game that they, they ended up play, And, you know, I thought, Oh, well, it's, it's going to happen. And, uh, they didn't call my name out. And then Fitzroy sort of dragged your name out. So, I didn't think it was finished because I was really, really keen, you know. As a 26-year-old, you think, "Geez, I've got a lot of footy yeah. left in me. And I think I had some runs on the board as well. But, but anyway, that, that's the way it is.
0: Talking to Simon Atkins, uh, you never forget your first. Let's uh, go to Fitzroy. Was that? Did that turn out to be a good experience and one that you enjoyed the couple of years at Fitzroy? Oh,
1: well, you, so, can't, uh, you can't enjoy yeah, – I, I played in 37th consecutive loss, uh, Kev. Um, yes. You know, I missed the game. They beat uh, Fremantle at the Western Oval one day and I was out injured. I only missed about two games of my whole career injury. Um, but again, I, I mean, I was so grateful to, to be able to continue to play over footy because I probably would have come back to Tasmania. I don't I don't know what I would have done then, you know. so And that led into a couple more years of footy and, you know, you get a bit older and you can sort of progress from there. So although it was, you know, this, particularly the second year was... Was no good. Um, it, it just wouldn't happen in this in this time. You know they wouldn't let a footy club get to that point. Yeah. Um, and again, Fitzroy and, and Footscray are very similar. They had a lot of passionate people. And and the, I remember the last game, the second last game we played Richmond at the MCG, and you know we were probably fortunate we played the last game against free in, in Perth, where the people were just devastated. You know, and um, I'm grateful for two years. Um, but it yeah it, it was pretty- strong, pretty hard towards the end
0: yeah no very so oh, it was a sad ending it was they left they'd left the the carcass of the football club out in the out in the you know out in the sun to to die basically so they yeah. could, so they could do something with it uh, that they'd obviously clearly planned for a while before that
1: Well, i think yeah, i think the the plan was you know, as you say well before what had actually happened and you know just to to let a footy club. You know, one of the third or fourth oldest in in the comp. Just to die like that, it, yeah, it wasn't good.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was very very sad. So at the end of that year, what did uh, what what was in your head to do? What we what were you thinking was going to be the next uh, sort of uh, sporting activity for Simon Atkins? Uh, yeah. Professional um, golf, or were you going to continue playing footy?
1: <laughs> well, I actually kind of played to Ireland to play garlic footy. Oh, really? Um, I thought I oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought oh, I'll do a bit of travel now and. I sort of looked into that just as a a part of you know doing a bit of travel, and I thought I don't know. And then uh, Donald McDonald somehow got my phone number, and he continually rang me every second day, and persisted and persisted. Um, I didn't go on a travelling uh, jaunt; went back to come back to Tassie, and he just kept ringing me, and and that's how I got to um, to Werribee. I, I thought, oh well, I'll just go back there, and I'll, I'll play a bit of BFL footy, and
0: at his persistence, um, that's where, how I ended up at me Played yeah. four years there, so played there and then, uh, and then uh, the coaching bug bit you. Um, and, and you, yeah. you mentioned earlier that it wasn't something you thought you'd do, but uh, obviously something that you uh, that you went, okay, no, I really do want to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically looking from a player that and thinking, geez, why would you do that? You know, why would you put yourself through, <laughs> you know, having to do this sort of stuff? And as I said, Chris Bond got the senior job through the Bulldogs Alliance at uh, Werra, and he, he said, I need you to come and, come and help me. And So, yeah, I, I enjoyed coaching the, the younger blokes to, to push them up to senior football um, and, you know, jumping forward. That's where I'm now. I, I coach school kids, and, you know, I enjoy seeing them progress to either, to, you know, AFL listed, local footy, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah.
0: That uh, that first year under Bondi was that, that was the year that uh, you won the grand final?
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we were lucky enough we had both teams in the in the final which was a you know a good sign that um you know where we had a good footy structure and all that sort of stuff and it was uh you know we we won the reserves grand final we went up and about and then I had to go and sit in the coach's box um to be Bondi's assistant and you know we were, we were just really unlucky that day that we we, we just didn't get across the line.
0: Yeah. And that reserve side from memory, was Dale Morris in that? Yes, he was. Yeah, Dale Morris was in it. There was a couple of other... Uh,
1: was Will Minson... Will
0: i got a feeling Will might have been uh, in it as well. Geez, he
1: might have been. I, I know. Well, I think, pretty sure, Wade Skipper was in it. Yeah, he so, was. So, you know, there was a few listed players in it, yeah.
0: So then you get the senior coaching job at the, at the Werribee Footy Club, and that starts really well for you as well.
1: Yeah, we were... Uh, we were robbed with a free kick in the goal square that would have put us in front. Um, you know, to, to be able to, you know, obviously, because there was some local talent that I'd coached in the dudes to come through, and it, I think that helps, you know, to know what you're coaching and who you're coaching, yep. but, but as well as the alignment with the with the Bulldogs. You know, there were some players in that that, you know, went on to, to have good AFL careers and just fell short, you know, at, at the end of the day.
0: Yep. Uh, so you had a, I mean, you finished up getting life membership at the Werribee Footy Club. So you had a really good time there. What pushed you into into doing school footy, which you've done uh, really successfully, uh, incredibly yeah. successfully over the over the last sort of five or six years?
1: Yeah. So the progression from from Werribee was I, I was really cooked, and and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate now that I think I made the right decision. I had a I had a really good job, and I just thought I couldn't put. Uh, the full time, wherever he wanted to, to have a full time coach, and that's fair enough. And I, I remember saying to Johnny Niggas, "I can't do this full time. I've got a, a really good job, which is my future, um, which I still do now." And um, left, and I got a phone call from, you know, St Bernard's Football Club in the Amos, and went there as an assistant coach for about, you know, four years. And part of that role was I'd lost a. a I suppose in alignment with the school, the year 12 blokes were will, will going somewhere else, so they sort of wanted to tie the two together, and that's how I started coaching St. some I'm eight years in now, um, coaching the, the first 18 in the in the ACC, and you know we've been lucky enough to win a couple of Herald Sun Shields, and you know we've won.
0: Yeah, lucky enough to win a couple of Herald Sunshields. You've been you've been <laughs> perennially in there every year, and and just I mean your, your trophy cabinet now must be another wing on your house.
1: Yeah, well, I'm just hoping that when my young bloke, young Flynn, gets the you know nominate to go to Suburners, and there might be an interview, he just might be able to ease his way in there. But um, yeah, look, it's it's good. Um, the ATC is a pretty strong comp. Um, you know, we play midweek, which allows the TAC Cup bikes to to play, and it um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Content. We we have some silverware. I like to call it silverware that we play for annually with parade, and, um, St. Joey's down in Geelong, and all that sort of stuff. So, we, yeah, we've won a, We've won a few uh, trophies.
0: The uh, the shift from uh, you know suburban footy, I guess in many ways uh, to school footy and to and to the TAC Cup, and probably even more school footy than the TAC Cup these days. Uh, an interesting way that uh, that footy's pathways changed.
1: Yeah, well, it, it is. Um, I mean, for instance, at Bernard's, we've probably got nine local clubs that the kids come from. Yep. And I, and, and one of my, you know, I just keep it basic. I said, well, you can play footy. This is why I want to play. Whatever terminology I use, think about what I'm saying to you because I'm pretty sure your local coach would say. But it's particularly at, at year 12 level, right? That, you know, and that's why I've always sort of said that it should, it should advance the TAC Cup to under-19s because these kids have so much going through their head yeah. when they're in year 12, you know. But, but you know, let's try to help them out.
0: Yeah, no. Obviously, and doing a terrific job. Now, one more game I want to talk to you about. Uh, you never forget your first, but uh, how well do you remember your twin brother's first? Because he made his uh, AFL debut 1992, round 23, Sydney versus Brisbane. It had been a long time coming. Uh, I think uh, you and probably a lot of other people weren't quite sure if it would ever come, but Paul finally did yeah. get to did get to make his AFL debut. Was it a twin experience? Well.
1: I mean, you said there before about, you know, what they do now. They fly your second cousin up there to see his first <laughs> game. But I, I was watching on TV, you know, he's up there in Brisbane and he had the long sleeve on. I thought, jeez, you know, it's, it's it's a balmy night up there on the Gold Coast. So, um, but, you know, Paul, he played two games and um, he was tagging, I think, he, <laughs> which grinded his gear something terrible. I mean, he'd never tag anyone in his life, but I think his first game he had to tag someone um, up there, and his second game he tagged. And you know, I think he looked at Gary Buck and said, "Listen, mate," he said, "I can't tag anyone. <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know, I go and get the football. So that might have been the end of his when he said that to the coach."
0: Now, were uh, the, the famous stories of you two, you know, interchanging each other during your doggies days, and uh, you know, you being in a meeting and then Paul being in a meeting yeah. and you not being in there and all that stuff? How much is myth and how much is fact?
1: Well, there's no, the, the fact is, once it happened. Yeah. You know, Paul said, Paul said What goes on in there? So, will you go in? Um, and he went in, and I actually, when he came out, I said, So, what happened? He goes, Oh, I can't remember. I said, So, what am I doing? He said, No, nah, I don't know. So, it actually happened once when Mick Moldenhouse was coaching.
0: <laughs> so, you did. I remember walking into the rooms one day, and Paul was standing in a suit. Uh, in the in the corner of the room, and uh, I reckon five blokes fainted because they thought it was you and you were out of the game. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's the only time I saw that happen. But uh, yeah, it was interesting times. Hey, mate, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with me talking about uh, your first game and your, your your days with the doggies and uh, and at uh, Fitzroy. It's been uh, fantastic. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, good luck for the future.
1: nah thanks, Kev. I, and as you know, I used to have a thing that wherever the journey is a reward, and you know, my journey's been a reward, mate. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike.